0: Hello. Welcome to I'm On My Period Peace. I'm Lindsay. And I'm the beautiful Molly. (laughs) And we're the Sherman sisters. Um, If we sound different today... Do we sound hotter? We we should sound hotter. It it sounds a little smackier, probably. Yeah, yeah.
1: Uh, Lindsay and I... Completed um, a dream that we yeah. had for many years.
0: We've talked about it
1: much on this podcast, um, and we're gorgeous now. <laughs> we got lip fillers <laughs> together on a porch this weekend, uh, and Botox.
0: Yeah, um, the Botox was a little added freebie.
1: Yeah, it was a it was a nice um, it was a nice thing. Uh, so
0: here's the thing about lip fillers. Mm-hmm, They're mm-hmm. worth it. Yeah. In every regard, I'm glad that you're saying that because I was wondering if you would still feel that way. No,
1: no, 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 no. Okay. No, 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 no. no. I'm gonna do it
0: again next year. <laughs> oh, uh,
1: fine. I can't let people see me <laughs> like Kylie Jenner, <laughs> like, like pre-lips Kylie Jenner. Yeah. Um. No, 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 honey. No, no, no. Uh, but my lips are in fact very purple. It looks like I lost a fight with several bees. Mm. Um. But they also look stung, which the, which is is key, kind of the point. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So anyway, I guess we should sync up. Apart from that, I just it was like a joint announcement. Yeah,
0: we needed if, to get that out off the top.
1: Because it, it's not my news to share, and it's not your news to share. It's our news to share, yes. comrade.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um. Additionally, uh, you may notice that. Uh, auditorily, you Mm. can tell that we're wearing the same shirt. Yeah, that did happen also. That happened as well. Um, It also happened at said Botox and lip filler party. And it's going to keep happening. Um, Yeah. Uh, Uh, Other than that, bitch, should we sync up? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I've seen a hell of a lot of you, but uh, what have you been up to? Generally, um, well, thank you for asking. Uh, You know,
1: mostly... Watching The Crown. I'm finally watching The Crown.
0: Oh, okay. Uh, yes. And there's been no other news about world leadership this week. <laughs> I'm not very political. <laughs> uh,
1: there was an election.
0: Yeah, there was that. Uh,
1: oh, my God. Uh, yes. <laughs> yes, yes. The, um, the man with the blonde one.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he lost his job. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, he did. Uh,
1: which I think is good. I think that's great. Yeah. Uh, no, on on the real, though, um, we narrowly avoided, uh, like, the worst that the fascism could have gone towards. I'm right. still
0: holding my breath. This I am a little bit, too. You know, um, I've read a couple people online say that it's the after effects of being in an abusive relationship is when when you yeah. think that, you're like, the first few days and weeks after escaping are the most dangerous, and that's, like... Kind I've
1: of I've seen that too. I don't know. I mean, I've not. I've fortunately not been in that right. position, so I Same. really can't speak to it from a place of authority. But I, I see that as a theme going around. Um, I've also the thing I liked though was the the thing that Christine Fryer had shared about like if you seem yes. exhausted, it's because you've been on like. Yes. Your nervous system has been looking for horrible things for the past four years. years? Yeah. Um,
0: well, and I f- still find myself looking for horrible things oh, to yeah, stress about. Oh, yeah, very about. much that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Anyway, um, I am watching The Crayon. The Crayon. Um, I am now at the part where uh, Anthony... Mm. What is his last... I, like, literally Googled S- Snowden. Snowden. Yeah, well, that's that's his title, but Lord Snowden, Anthony Anthony. Armstrong Jones. Yes, I looked up like everything I could about him today. But they pronounce it Anthony. They well, because it is Anthony, and I was. Oh, is it? Oh, okay. Yeah, the British love that kind of thing. I don't know why they love Anthony instead of Anthony. I don't know. I I, I kind of prefer it as well. It's pretty. Um, It is pretty. Yeah, it's Anthony. Tell me from this side. He okay. This is one of those rare runs where I'm like Matthew Good is, I don't know, I would say Antony was almost as handsome. Yeah, um, which is really saying something. It is.
0: Because Matthew Good, as we know, is a specimen.
1: That is true. Yeah. Um... Yeah, I just got to the part where the Kennedys are there, as we talked about. Um, mm. Not great casting. No. No, no, no. I don't think I don't think great casting. Uh, I think Michael C. Hall especially was like a marquee choice that didn't really make sense. He doesn't look or
0: sound anything like JFK. But.
1: No, no. Whereas everyone else is sort of really pretty well cast. Uh, I don't know if this is, I'm sure this is like out in the world now, but I only learned this week um, who they're casting for season five
0: mm-hmm.
1: when they're like upgrading mm-hmm. everyone's age. Yep. Uh, okay. We did discuss Elizabeth Debicki. Yes. That's Elizabeth Debicki was, is probably the one I'm the most excited about. Yes. Second up, Imelda Staunton. Incredible choice. Playing Queen Elizabeth. Incredible choice. Third up, Leslie Manville playing Queen Margaret, or sorry, Princess Margaret. Um, but she's a queen at the same time. At the same time. And then, uh, Jonathan Price is Prince Philip, I think, is also pretty
0: wise. He's got now, the right it's spirit. It's gonna take some wig work. Yeah, it's gonna take some wig work, but he's got the right, um, how do we say, um... He's convincing at playing evil. Let's put yeah, it that way. Yeah, because you had floated Bill Nighy. Yeah, but I think he's too good. No, I because I can't fall in love with Prince Philip because he <laughs> is famously just an awful person. Okay, I will say, though, Tobias Menzies in season three gives him a... Tobias Menzies can make anyone
1: charming. Right. he, and he gives him Black a Jack little Randall. charm. You know? But yeah. No, he's, he's just exceedingly charming. Um, I'll be curious to see if they go down any roads with...
0: Um, prince andrew Mm, that is you know they've not even like acknowledged his existence so far it's been um anne and uh charles yeah there's the other one too isn't there yeah there's another one and i don't know his name it's another it's another boy I i think because i think he married a girl named sophie when i was like um when i was like in middle school and she's like a they have like a sweet marriage, I think, from what I understand. I don't Okay, know. I mean, God bless for that. <laughs> Let's see, she has. Oh, Edward, that's okay. who I was thinking of. Yeah, so she has three boys and a girl. Okay, Oof, sorry. Yeah, not not my ideal setup. I would say no. Um, yeah, I, I'll be curious to see what they cover there. I mean, they have to include <laughs> Fergie. They must, honestly. She's who who arrive? What if
1: they? Who would they hire for that?
0: God, I don't know.
1: What like? I would love if they just hired like Winona now. Like just like Winona Judd and they have just Irish, the Irishman young faced her.
0: I think it could be really funny. (laughs) Reba. (laughs) We've hired Reba. You know, in season three, they hired um, Emerald Fennel to be um, Camilla. Oh. And she absolutely. Knocks it out of the park. You I think. know,
1: as I, I mentioned, this is my other link up, and then I'll kick it to you. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. Uh, I guess the other, pe- I mean, all my updates now are media related because right. life is no longer a highway. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I've been listening to, and this podcast needs no bigging up from our podcast that's like you know right me being like you guys should listen to nirvana but like uh you're wrong about it's yeah. consistently a great podcast and in every way that we drop the ball on research they uh <laughs> they pick, pick it, up it up and harlem globe trotter it <laughs> on every single finger yes um but they've been doing uh, michael hobbs has been leading like a five-part series uh-huh. on princess diana i think i'm on part three now okay this shit is fascinating.
0: I'm on the first episode of it because you and then a little bit of fun, who is a blogger in Austin, mm-hmm. um, posted about it on Instagram, and I generally take every recommendation she has and run with it. it yeah, so, they're usually pretty great. Um, but I started it, and I was like, I only got like 20 minutes in before I had to go pick up the girls, but I got to the part where they were talking about how... um. Charles and Diana met when she was, like, 16. Uh, Yeah, it's nasty, dude. That's nasty. He used to date
1: her older sister and then, like, iced her the hell out because she gave one, like, somewhat untoward quote in an interview. Also, they had a 12-year age difference, which I can forgive or whatever, but, like, she married a prince at 19. I mean, that seems... That's, like, too big a commit. Right. For anyone. And they, like, I had always assumed they maybe had a few years of happiness, and then he, like, drifted back. Pretty much to, no, right? Yeah, no, they were just basically never happy. Ugh. It's It's so sad. And also, like, do they even, like, get along, like, friendly-wise, or th- no? There's a few moments that they describe on the show where, like, she'll have a few, like, they, they shared a laugh once at, like, a ceremony. And Queen Elizabeth II was like... <laughs> Like, got mad at them. <clears throat> also, the way they describe, like, spending, um, by they, I mean, like, various accounts of yeah. Diana. Yeah. It, the way it's described in terms of, um, sort of even the calmer moments in her life, more private ones, when the, once they were married, like, family getaways to Balmoral Castle. Yeah. Um, still terrible. Like, you wake up with the sun, you change outfits, like, four times in a day. Uh. And, like, you go out for the hunt. Like, the women are supposed to dress and provide food for the hunt. Or just, like, it's often sitting around while Princess Margaret would play, like, show tunes, which sounds like the highlight of the day, until they have, like, bagpipers come and play, like, what the hell ever. And Uh. they describe, like, Prince Philip just discussing how much he hates trade unions for hours and hours. Like,
0: wow, the insanity love. That sounds... Truly awful. I mean, so when I think of Diana, I, I told you um, the Super Sizers Go episode about the 80s. Oh, the Sloan Rangers. They one? talked about the Sloan Rangers, and that was like this kind of like she was like their mascot. Like mm-hmm. this, um, it was kind of like a Valley Girl. Um, yeah. Equivalent, but like richer and mm-hmm. like old money and although you know she really was not very moneyed right yeah i was i did get to she that She was like a name that she part wasn't very it was moneyed. like her mom's family had money her dad's family had a title mm-hmm. and they divorced and then they divorced but i think there was some they had run through a lot of the money or something yeah
1: the dad could like not afford to keep the family estate up Yikes. so she was like living in london doing odd jobs
0: man that's so crazy isn't it yeah Um, and the, basically
1: this is also one of those first cases of, like, the paparazzi just straight up destroyed her life. Oh, absolutely. Like, one of them bought an apartment, or, like, rented out an apartment across the street from her, like, bachelorette apartment, and with, like, a telephoto lens would get photos of her, like, doing the dishes and stuff. Anyway, this is just a tease. harassment. Everyone should go listen to this podcast. It is in incredible. It's getting me super psyched for season four of... The Croon. The Croon. Um, which comes out this weekend. Which I'm now understanding why they use different actresses for Diana, because she really does look so, so different. different. Yeah. Um, always been a cutie.
0: So cute. Like,
1: the she's more of a spitfire than I ever knew. Yeah. Um, but... I'm just sad she's not with us because I really feel like she would have been an icon
0: till the end. I agree. And, you know, you said something about how she reminds me of our mom. And I'm Mm -hmm. like, I see that too. Like, the way that she related to the public seems like if if our mom Mm -hmm. was in that position, I don't know. I feel like our mom has always done, like, not to big her up because she doesn't listen. But (laughs) she does a good job of kind of, like, walking the line of, like, this is what is expected of me, and this is what I'm willing to do, you yeah. know, as yeah, far as, like, family so obligations, true. you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: I mean, Diana, too, like, they, on the podcast, talk about how she even had an understanding of the fact that, like, she, first of all, describes herself as kind of, like, stupid and unpopular, and those are not true, but one thing she always knew that she was good at was empathizing with people. Yeah. And that gave her a huge advantage over the rest of the royal family, yeah. because those... I mean, I told you, listening to that podcast and, the, and also watching The Crown, I'm like, they somehow managed to do favors and, like, provide a lens of warmth on this family that is not consistent with other accounts I've heard.
0: Yeah. Damn.
1: Like, they're insane.
0: Anyway, how are you? Uh, girl, relieved now, as yeah. of Saturday. You saw me on Tuesday. Um, Yes. When we normally would have recorded, I was instead uh, doing exactly the opposite of what I said I would do. Um, Mm -hmm. I was like, I'm not going to watch coverage. I mean, we all were. And then uh, Parker was like, oh, I'm going to. And we turned on MSNBC and watched Steve Kornacki and his khakis. And I just mentally anguished myself, even though I had seen so many mornings there's going to be a red mirage in some states where they don't get to count the mail in ballots until afterwards but i just went to bed tuesday night panicked i had that 2016 feeling again
1: that's a feeling that like will never leave no, you totally a, you know
0: yeah it's like a it's going to mark me i think for the rest of my days um but uh then you know i just kept my eyes glued to twitter basically all of wednesday thursday friday and then saturday at around mm-hmm. 10:30 I had just tweeted, can somebody please call Pennsylvania? And, like, literally looked up from my phone and saw, like, they've called Pennsylvania. And oh, I was yeah. Like, I "Oh oh, no because you called
1: me. Oh,
0: yes. And, yeah. I was watching Almost Famous in bed. <laughs> I was like, did you see? Did you see? And, uh, yeah. We, as soon as I put Marigold down for her nap, we popped a bottle of champagne. And I basically was sipping champagne all evening. I stayed drinking champagne. Yeah. From... Yeah, I guess Friday to Sunday. Yeah, it was great. You know, of course, um, old what's-his-nuts. I I look forward to not remembering his name ever again. Um, the, the one with the blonde hair? Oh, you know, no, I can't remember. Yeah, I can't remember it. Um, he can't let us have anything fun, so, of course, he's... Mucking the waters and making everybody worried that he's attempting a coup. He's lining his pockets coup. to
1: pay down debts as well. Yeah, there's a lot going on there, but I'm refusing to lend my power to that right now. Right,
0: I'm trying to do the same. So instead, I just decided to get lips.
1: Yeah, I think it's instead better to focus on getting hot.
0: Yeah. So yeah, our friend Anna had a friend in town who is a master with a needle and uh, got our lips done.
1: Oh, very cool too. I'll have she to was tell extremely you, uh, cool. She yeah. Yeah, I'll have to tell you more information later that she gave me. That I was like, okay, we love
0: a backstory. No, she's very fun, um, yes. and I was like, how did you two meet? They were like studying abroad in Spain.
1: It's the most Anna way to say that you met someone. <clears throat>
0: like, truly, of course, truly. of course. She's got such a good collection of people in her life.
1: Honestly, she's she's a people collector, and she's yeah. good at what she does. We and love speaking it. Speaking of Spain, yeah, the movie that we felt we covered this week was it filmed in Spain? It was primarily filmed in Barcelona. I would have never guessed. Mm-hmm, I assumed France. Well, Paris was so modernized that mm. they just, like, filmed a lot of it in the Gothic Quarter. Barcelona. Okay, so you've been to Barcelona recently. I have. Well, uh, phew, three years ago. Yeah. Did you...
0: Was that mise-en-scene? Yeah. So... It looked like that? The
1: uh, the Gothic Quarter is, like, you <clears throat> more know... More or less preserved? Apt, apt named. Yeah, okay. I think it... that I don't know if, like, just a portion of the city can be unesco protected but it, it very is old yeah that photo i have of craig showing his wingspan yeah uh, that's, that's got the yeah because there's a really narrow alleyways okay there's also a very lovely mo- first of all i got a bangin baguette sandwich there
0: Ugh, okay
1: it was like um prosciutto and butter and a little bit of like cheese incredible Ugh. i think about it all the time um but like we were just walking around the gothic quarter at night and there was this cathedral that like had See like these older women singing a cappella, like yeah. hymns in Latin. Yeah, and you could just wander in and out. Ugh. And I remember doing that and being like, "Okay, wow, work. This is an amazing experience. I want to go there." Well, when when life is a highway again, <laughs> and
0: would, not a driveway, and not
1: life is a driveway. <laughs> uh, I would highly recommend um, Spain for anyone who has the means and the will. Um, yeah, it's definitely. I mean. I think it's easy for me to say it's my favorite trip because it was my first time going to Europe without family, so I right. could kind of just determine what I was doing. Well, and
0: there, it, like, feels different when you're like, I did this with my own money.
1: I did it with my own money, and, I'm like, beholden to... I planned this with my husband. Like, right. Like, it makes me feel like a grown lady.
0: We have nobody's agenda but the two of us. Yeah, which is friggin' killer. It's so nice. I know I was talking about, with Fiona, about... Um, taking kids to europe and i was like after being at home with our kids all this time like i do feel like maybe i would like to take them a little earlier than i thought that i would but i do want another couple trips without them yeah you know, like, oh it's just yeah so
1: nice. well, you, you and i both went probably the first time like at eight
0: eight or I nine. Went at nine and you were eight yeah 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 i felt i remember everything yeah yeah that's a, i think that's a good age which is only four more years for matilda but like I was miracle. also That's freaked like a out time.
1: about a lot of things, yeah. but I also had rapture anxiety. <laughs> so, <laughs> very bad. So, it's tricky. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord. Yeah. Oh, man.
0: There was what a friend we went to Israel
1: too. You were really into like you had a friend that was emailing you like prophecy interpretations. I don't you, remember that. I do. You would share it with me, and I was like, "Cool, cool, cool, tight, tight, tight." I would like to kiss a boy before <laughs> before I'm sucked up to heaven. Oh God, um, you know it's a hell of a thing, and it's another thing to unpack at a different time when we're not talking about the 2006 film Perfume, Perfume the story of a, of a murderer.
0: murderer. Um, this film, so in the canon oh boy my voice just gave out whoa in the canon of things that are culture that made me say culture is for me that is a great great way to think about this this was a shared experience betwixt you and i we went to the yeah. theater together
1: no i didn't see it in the theater we got it from blockbuster watched it at the house no dude we saw it in a the theater absolutely not middle no, we also rented it later after we'd seen it in i the did theater. not see this in the theater with you you were you saw it on your own in college, and then you came home and we watched it because you were like, Shit's "I get refuse crazy. to believe Shit's that." Get crazy. No, I, I thought did that. that you I saw it me the I, first time. I, I, w- I think that would have been really special, but no, that's not how it
0: happened. That's how my brain is revisionist <laughs> wired. It so, anyways, after the first time I saw it, though, I remember having lunch with a couple friends in college at the Sabisa, not Sabisa, the MSC underground, the basement, okay. you know. And I was down there probably eating Chick Fil A or whatever shit. Yeah, so cultured a transitional period of your life, I would say, culturally. <laughs> so cultured. But I was down there, and I was talking she to my friend. She was not saying gay rights, but she, she meant it. <laughs> I did mean it. So my friend Andrew and I were down there, and he was also an English major, and, like, culturally got a lot of the same stuff. Like, we were, like, into a lot of the same movies or whatever. So I was trying to describe the plot of this film to him, and he just, his face just kept being like, okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> and then I tried to describe it to Parker the other night and I showed him the trailer and I was like, I promise you this movie is so good. The plot just sounds kooky. But then when I the watched it- the plot is kooky. Then I watched it again and I remembered because I had forgotten the ending, which yeah. is a big thing to forget. It's a Bildungsroman for sociopaths. Very that. Yeah. Um, I still absolutely stand by this movie. No, you should. It's a great it's movie. It's so pretty.
1: I it was. It was one of those things where like, researching the movie and the book and the cultural place that this has i was realizing how much of like a an americanized blind spot i have yeah um and it made me appreciate it more yeah um so this was directed by tom Tykwer, um who did run lola run which is obviously I've another never seen that i have seen bits and pieces of it you've you've probably seen it on
0: like Stars. It's got that actress I just mentioned her in the last episode. We were just talking
1: about her, yes! Um, And I cannot remember. Uh, Her name is... Give me a moment.
0: It's a really cool name. Um, Frick! (laughs) Why were we talking? Franco Potenta? Yeah, Franco (laughs) Potenta. Oh, she played Anne Frank in American Horror Story. Okay, that is why we (laughs) talked about her. Yeah,
1: yes. Um, And I want to say that he might have done... Okay, so... (laughs) What I'm learning is that I feel like more things are filmed in Germany than I realized. Yeah. And it's a small world over there. Yeah. Because the costumer for this movie also worked on some Bourne movies. Okay. And on Cloud Atlas, which Tom Tycor also did. I've never seen that. I've never seen it and I haven't read it, but I did read, what was the other huge David Mitchell book that I read? Uh, Bone Clocks.
0: Bone Clocks. Like, why wouldn't I just read Cloud Atlas? Because also, Bone Clocks was a million pages long. I remember when the trailer for Cloud Atlas came out, I was like, huh what and I, like i thought it looked so bad but then honestly after i read *Slade house i was like maybe i would love it i think it's an ambitious undertaking to try to make a movie out of a david mitchell book though yeah
1: it's just gotta true. be true true um so i apart i mean he did like a short in peli Tem*. okay um and then he's been doing this show called babylon berlin which i do think i'm gonna need to see yeah um but apart from like run on the run like he really isn't, is a german Yes. Okay. Isn't known for that much. And, like, what I did not realize is that the author of this book, mm-hmm. and let me look it up. Of course, it's going to drive me crazy. I should have had this out. Mm-hmm. Um, Was the book written in English? No, it's a German book. Okay. Uh, it's been translated, but it's, like, a, like very, very beloved there. Patrick Susskind. Patrick Susskind. okay. Uh, Kurt
0: Cobain was obsessed with this book. Scentless Apprentice is about this book. Interesting. Well, yeah, okay. And then also we discussed Perfume Genius is named after this movie. Okay, shit. Very different, but like... No, see, the thing is that when like I kind of wondered that all along because mm-hmm. I was like, they tap into that same cultural mood for me where it's kind of like dark, moody yes beauty you know what i mean well michael
1: hadrius also kind of has like a ben wishaw look yes
0: that kind of like slinky well the curly hair the beautiful boy the beautiful yeah. of it all yeah
1: i would say it's the overwhelming beauty for me it's the yeah exactly um yeah, that but it's interesting that like both Nirvana and Perfume Genius would be like, of course, the book Perfume, Story of a Murderer. Right. Um, okay, also this movie was like the most expensive movie that Germany has ever A German
0: film. Okay, that's, I was, we were discussing this earlier. I was struck watching it. I was like, what was the budget on this flick?
1: Dude, because the older you get, the more you kind of, or at least like if, you know, you're making a hundred plus episodes of podcasts about movies, you kind of start to understand more and more how budget is allocated. And like, we've talked about this before, exterior shots and period pieces are extremely expensive because you have to outfit every extra. And there
0: are... So many. of there them There are in over seven
1: hundred extras in the orgy scene alone, and oh one hundred fifty of them gosh. are trained dancers.
0: Oh my gosh!
1: There is like a like I don't. I wish I could find it. I felt like I saw something about the budget specifically for the costuming,
0: but it was insane. The lighting budget, like they, they spent. The, these yeah. people's skin is lit like. It just, they look like the movie looks like a painting to me? Yeah. Well, it, they studied room looks looks so, paintings for it. Oh my gosh! I was gonna yeah. say everything looks so creamy. Yeah. And like smooth. I don't know. It's but it's also for
1: like a, as a movie it does a good mm-hmm. job of conveying scent. Mhm. Mhm. Cuz like you know when you watch I, I don't know if it like for our dear listener like when you're watching a period piece at least for me I obviously I just recently finished Outlander. I Live with the constant knowledge in the back of my head that everyone is stinky. So,
0: I do have a thing to say about that, though. Okay. There was a Twitter thread that I looked at early this spring, probably during lockdown, that was full of um, misconceptions. It was by, like, a medieval historian. Mm -hmm. And they were like, here's some things that people assume about the medieval era, the Middle Ages, that are wrong. And they said generally people assume that everyone smelled really bad. But they were, like, extremely obsessed with hygiene. Hmm. And the guy was like, basically, most time periods, if you had... Even modest means, you were very concerned about being
1: considered clean. So where does clean. this
0: come from, then? I think there is a thing, and maybe, it, it, maybe that's a fair assumption at this point in 18th century France, when the wealth differential was so out well, of control. Well, and specifically too, remember the Supervisors Go episode. Even the wealthy, yes, were just stinky, just <laughs> shitting everywhere. They were. Well, it, so yeah, there there was like an obsession with covering that over with perfume. Obviously, that's like the driving, like, force of this movie. Yes. But, um, I think, like, the scene at the beginning where they show Jean-Baptiste's birth in a fish market. Oh my gosh. Like, you know that smelled. And then he worked at a tannery and you know that smelled. That scene was also expensive. They had a hundred pounds of fish. Good lord. (laughs) Like, they just were like, sure, whatever. Yeah, budget is approved. So I guess let's start talking about this plot. Uh, yes. So...
1: Okay, this is, and uh, I'm gonna have to keep referring. To, and every, every time we have like French names or German names, I have to yeah. like, kind of take a look. But "Perfume: The Story of a Murderer" mm-hmm. is the story of a
0: murderer mm-hmm. named Jean Baptiste Grenouille. Is it Grenouille? Yeah. Grenouille. And I was trying to figure out what his body count would have been. I uh, guess we'll get to that. It's thirteen that we know. It. Well, fifteen. Okay. Okay, but we'll Another get the thirteen with a certain intention, but thirteen with a certain intention and two on accident yeah. or three on accident that were like boo boo, he made he made errors. <laughs> oh no, he did not make errors. Oh no, it was it was two on accident. Well okay. and then if
1: you also consider the incidentals of every time he leaves someone yes. who he's in service to, they just up and I die. was gonna say, yeah. So So Jean Baptiste Grand oui, the the movie begins in a classic, well you're probably wondering how I got here. <laughs> they show yep. getting set. That's me. <laughs> I love a structure like that. I do too. Where the stakes couldn't be higher. Yeah. And so many crown episodes begin that way. Yeah, they like, do. I guess we should discuss a divorce. And it's like
0: three months earlier. Yes. That's, you know? And that's honestly a really great way to structure a film, especially this one.
1: Uh, so they
0: show him being yeah. taken out of jail and sentenced to death in a gruesome way. And then it's like... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's
1: while. I'm walking on sunshine, well... Uh, yeah, so they go back and they discuss. there's a... Similarly, I would say to... Um, the assassination of Jesse James. Actually, this movie has a lot in common with the assassination of Jesse James yeah. by the coward Robert Ford. Mm-hmm. They both have a dreamlike quality mm-hmm. and a narrator and a narrator um, with like a really the narrator's voice is soothing. very soothing, honey. Um, so we see that Gronwy is born to a fishmonger. Uh, she is the fifth of his children. All or the rest. of the fifth of her. He's the fifth of her children. He yeah. of her children. Thank you. Uh, pronouns are tricky when you are drinking wine. <laughs> um, he is the fifth of her children. The other five have been stillborn to this point. So she's just sort of like assumes. Right, that chuck it and go. Like yeah. in a gnarly, gnarly scene where she just gets under her fish stall. You know, a pushes quick, the baby a out. Push and a shout, and you're done. Yeah.
0: And then she gets back uncle, up and
1: starts selling cord, more fish. The local cord. Sweaty as she wanna be. And yeah. then people start making assumptions like she left the baby to okay. die. Well, she, she tried th- to she kill She thinks it. he's dead and she then he starts crying. And then he smells fish and is like, I have a lot to live for.
0: Yeah. Ugh. And
1: um, <sighs> so they say the first sound he made was his mother's uh death sentence essentially yeah um and uh, god bless to that woman for being on screen for i would say 120 seconds and rocking the sweatiest bangs the entire time truly i honey so uh,
0: then he goes to an orphanage which was depressing to watch okay
1: this is not the same era but something about like boarding houses and orphanages that are just like any, I would say any era from early 18th to early 19th century. Yeah. I have not seen a depiction of it in film that's, like, livable. No, absolutely not. They always make it seem like it is, like, a barn filled with, like, 40 to 50 children just
0: stacked on top of well, each other. and it's always, the assumption is, like, that the the proprietor is doing it for money. Yeah, I, I would like to double tap on this a little
1: bit. Yeah. Because I'm certain that there was a system that, um... That provided them with some measure of money for that. Right. Um, But this is like a trope that's also in Annie.
0: Right. Where does this come from? I don't know. And I've I've heard it as a trope. Like, when I used to work in education, there Mm. were, like, there were certain families that people would, like, lob that accusation about. Like, oh, well, this is a foster mom locally. It takes two.
1: The butt kisses. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I think as in anything... We can we can do some research into this and I'm certain that JSTOR has some gorgeous papers for me to read through right. and I will do that. But I think we can probably skip to the end and say that it's like a classist thing.
0: Yeah. I mean, totally. it's, it's like the, the myth of the welfare queen. Right. Like, totally. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I would absolutely think that's right. So, um, Granwy is put, he's a, this like baby. They just put him in a basket and, in the middle and of these all And kids These kids just
1: hate his shit immediately. <laughs> They're like, <laughs> let's
0: kill him. We do not vibe with him at all. His vibes are rancid. <laughs> and they try to kill him. And then the the orphanage lady, Madame Gaillard, comes in and grabs him. She raises him until he's thirteen and then she's like, Yeah, you're I, I can't afford to yeah. keep you anymore. So she sells him to a tannery. I didn't realise that people would like that happens twice. Well there's like him an in indentured movie. servitude
1: system that that carries over it's not
0: entirely uncommon. But that's like oh, I don't know. It's just, the, it's, I gross. Mean, it's like slavery. I mean, but not. Shit's snarl. Yeah, essentially. It's, it's gnarly.
1: This is, we're now, uh, no, I guess not. I was about to say are we run the era of um, Le Miz, but no, we're quite a bit before.
0: Yeah, it's like about probably 50 years, 50, 60 years before LeMiz. Yeah, because
1: Le is like 1790s, right?
0: Uh... 80s, 90s. 18, 18, 14 or something. Wow, well, uh, my shit's way off. I could be wrong, but... Okay, no, um, but you're probably right. Anyway, so he goes to work for a tannery, and they said something about how most people that work there only the made it, like, a year or two. five years. Five, and
1: he... Which I wasn't understanding if that meant that, like, they could only do the work for five years before they, you know, took up medical coding, <laughs> or if it meant, like, he would just Paradeal straight up... <laughs> I'll never forget those commercials until the day that I kick it. I won't either. Yeah, paralegal, medical coding. Um, (laughs) Or they just meant that, like, at at one point you would just keel over. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm unclear.
0: I assumed the latter. That was my assumption because it looked like it was
1: truly
0: agonizing. But they were like, but, (laughs) but firm, sturdy. (laughs) <laughs> firm started to Ben Wishaw <laughs> weighing in at 110 pounds.
1: Absolute beefcake who could kick Chris Hemsworth's ass. Ben
0: Wishaw, he I will say though, he's all muscle. He he is striking.
1: No, uh, look, that We've talked about this. Wish a Hive. We have been for years. We have been. We have been years. for years. This is at least the second, if not... No, this is at least the third Wish film
0: that we've covered. Mm-hmm. I'm Not There, uh, Bride's Head... Did we also do an English Scandal? Very we English did. Scandal? So this is the fourth, fourth workshop property. Yeah. And they I love all him. his properties. And they are. He owns them.
1: <laughs> uh, and he was adorable as Q in the... Oh, he was
0: so cute. I was delighted to see him I, in those.
1: I've not really seen that many Bond movies, but I would say, for my money, the ones I have seen, the Daniel Craig franchise
0: is the best. It's, that's it. That's correct. Um, so anyways, okay, he's at the tannery. Um, he, one day... B- oh, I guess we skipped a really important thing. What was that? He has an unbelievable sense of smell. Oh, yeah,
1: they do touch on that. That is
0: important. You're going to remember that. <laughs> it's a little Easter egg. Most people don't notice this in the movie,
1: but he actually has a really good
0: sense so of, can, of smell. So he can, and he doesn't differentiate between what is a good smell and what is a they bad smell. They said he was, smell. Like, greedy for smells. He just collects them all. And it seems like that is this, well, I mean, I guess they say, that's the sense for him that is the most developed. So, yeah. um, which is not explored often, I don't think the sense of smell in film. You know? No. But <coughs> they show like he he was like laying in a field when he's a teenager and they show him being like stone, grass, mm-hmm. wet stone, frog, frog eggs, you know, whatever. <laughs> and like he can just kind of like differentiate between you know, all that. Frog's yeah. pants, <laughs> frog's cane, <laughs> frog's friend toad. <laughs> um so anyways, he one day um, is walking, I guess, in a street, and he sees this redheaded girl selling yellow plums. And I have to tell you that that image has like stuck with me.
1: Yeah, I could see that you've been quite inspired by that. I would say truly.
0: Uh, you've made you made a comment to Matilda the other day about how I used to watch Little Mermaid all the time growing up. Yeah, and, and how that maybe be a redhead. Yeah, there are certain things like that, like Elizabeth, like Kate Blanchett's hair, and Benjamin Button. And like this. I mean, I would say that Kate Blanchett uh, having a,
1: an intense, short, blonde haircut and gorgeous lips has really inspired uh, my yeah.
0: decision to put $600 worth of material in my mouth. Correct. So um, anyways, the, the redheaded plum girl, that's the character's name, plum yes. girl. She's selling yellow plums. And they're beautiful. The way they're lit it looks like a painting. Mm-hmm. Um, he keeps following her and trying to sniff her, but it startles her and she like kind of gets skittish and runs away. And then he follows her a little bit further, and he creeps up behind her and is trying to sniff her, um, but she starts to cry out, and there's people. there are people nearby, so he, like, covers her mouth, and he unintentionally suffocates her. This is his first actual murder that he's, like, responsible for. Oh, we didn't say. When Madame Gaillard sells him to the tanner, mm-hmm. um, she gets, like, I don't know, seven francs for him, and as soon as she walks away from the tanner, she's... She eats it. She gets killed. Yeah. So, he, after she's died, he, like, is trying to just, like, consume as much of her scent as he can. Um, he, like, strips her naked. This is the first of what so many naked bodies in this movie.
1: Right. And that is the, the tricky part of it, is it's pretty gnarly in that regard.
0: It's gnarly in that regard. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And he sniffs her all over, um, and is, like, trying to, like, harvest her scent into his hands. Um, so then he becomes obsessed with the idea of, like, preserving smell. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do you want to take over? I don't want to, like, keep, you know.
1: Oh, yes. All I was doing is looking up the notes of both of our perfumes so that we could touch on that. Oh, we should get into that, yes. yes. so he, uh, is sold to the tannery. We got we got to that part. Yeah, go, so he to leaves to the tannery. Leaves the tannery to go work for Dustin Hoffman, mm-hmm. whose character... Giuseppe Baldini. Giuseppe Baldini A buys perfumer. him... What was it, for 15 francs? Uh... And then the tannery guy he pays,
0: I think it's, like, a lot, like, 50. Like, he tries to offer the tannery. Yeah. yeah, the guy, like, laughs, like, he's not worth it, whatever. Because when he go, well, so when he goes to the perfumer's place, he, like, impresses him because there's this perfume called Amore at Psyche mm-hmm. that is selling out all over Paris. Mm-hmm. And Baldini hasn't had, like, a hit. And he's kind of a flop at this point.
1: These are the flop beers. These are the flop
0: years. And so, yeah, Jean-Baptiste is like, I can create that for you. And, like, does it in no time at all
1: yes um so he purchases him and then basically he becomes the apprentice for baldini who has it's a funny piece of set design really here is that he's got this like cutie little shop in the middle of a very treacherous looking looking bridge right um so he goes to work for baldini after a lot of like learning how to and what is the word i'm it's like he has
0: a copper pot distillery yes
1: there there's a word for it that's going to come up again um Oh. In the film, uh, it's not
0: florage. that's what he learns. No, that's well, it's Gros. a kind of
1: amphlaurage, but yeah, uh, well, no, I guess it's not because florage is like from a flower, yeah. So
0: he learns distillation, <laughs> distillation here, distillation, yeah. Um, and yeah, Baldini is like, you can, you know, create any scent this way. So Granui goes and tries to make some kind of scent of, um glass or yeah, metal or whatever, and it doesn't work, and he gets mad. He's, like, trying basically everything. But anyway, ultimately
1: he comes up with, like, a dupe of... More in
0: Psyche, right? Oh, he, that's, how, that's how he gets the job in the okay, first place. That's right, that's right. Sorry. He makes the i so confused. I was on my computer during this time. You're fine. So he makes it. Well, by the way, though, when he makes the More in Psyche, he says, That's not a good perfume, by the way. And the guy, Baldini's like, What do you mean? It smells amazing. And he's like, Let me make it better. And he just fiddles with stuff. He it doesn't know the names of anything. He's just following his nose. He's like playing potions in the bathroom. Totally. Yeah. Which is, who didn't do that? Who, who did us? Who Among Us? But he makes this smell, and when Baldini smells it, he's like, like visually, like, his brain like goes to some beautiful garden in Italy, and this beautiful woman comes up and goes, "I love you." Oh yes, <laughs> which was funny to me. I did enjoy that. Um. Um. So he, yeah. So he, Baldini's like, okay, yeah. I'm. I told you you could make essential oils of anything. I didn't mean like anything, anything. I didn't mean like horseshoe or mm-hmm. chain. Like, if you want to learn how to like preserve, there's another method called enfleurage, but you'd want to go to grass to learn how to do that. Mm-hmm. And so he helps provide him his journeyman papers uh, in exchange. But so, do you live when they call him a journeyman at the beginning? Like, ooh, like what you a thing. To have papers to travel within That's your insane. own country. Isn't that nuts? Yeah. In exchange for a hundred new perfume formulas, which, you know, Granouille is like no problem. But again, as soon as he departs, this is what the fourth person that unintentionally dies due to his. Yeah. Like leaving. literally the second he kicks off, it's like mm. the shop just collapses
1: yeah. on the bridge. Um, uh, hell of an... I, that scene always really stuck out to me. It did, yeah. Uh, that would have been expensive to film, too. No, I mean, the whole thing, it really is wild to me, like, how much budget they got for this. Unbelievable. But the thing of it is, is, like, this was an ambitious undertaking and the sense that, like, the, the author had been courted by a lot of directors. Really? Uh, yeah. So, like, primarily, and let me... Uh, I know that...
0: Stanley Kubrick, I believe, was one of them. Interesting. Um, and no, this was the right choice. The budget it, was sixty million dollars.
1: Yeah, it's it's kind of nuts. Who was the other big one where it was like? A uh, oh word. Okay, so Scorsese wanted it. Oh, yep. Uh, Milos Forman was the other one I was Who's thinking that? of, and Stanley Kubrick, and I think Roman Polanski's Dusty Ass also talked about it. But um, Milos Forman did One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest and oh. Amadeus. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and The People versus
0: Larry Brent. No, like I think things. this was the right choice. Yes, um, I agree. So, anyways, we're point. We keep getting sidetracked. Um, so yes, he goes to grass, but on the way.
1: Oh, right. He has, like, a moment where he discovers that he is, in fact, the scentless apprentice.
0: Yes. So he climbs into this cave, and they say that he can detect no scent there other than the smell of dead stone. Mm -hmm. And it's, like, a monastery to him, which I think is an interesting idea when the thing, the way that you primarily experience the world is your nose. It's kind of, like, the idea of some, like, meditative practices is to, like, kind of limit your exterior input mm-hmm. so that you're you know not like listening to a lot of music or seeing a lot of things like you just kind of want to be able to like shut out the outside world mm-hmm. and so he has to find the one place where he can't find a smell yeah but while he's in there and I don't know how long he's in there because he comes out with longer hair I mean you he had have to, to eat, eat. He had you, to the eat the
1: human the human can only we not live in eat. a society? We, we
0: first of all we live in a society,
1: but like you can't not eat for more than three weeks. Yeah,
0: but I guess there's a lot about this movie that's kind of fantastical. So who knows?
1: I don't. I don't get what you're meaning. Uh, <laughs> I, it all checked out to me. Um, so he goes to grass, learns florage, and at this point was like, "Oh, um, I do have a passion." for killing women
0: mm-hmm. and trying to use capture a, their scent to capture their scent well the first way that he tries mm-hmm. is by taking a girl who's oh by the way they they harvest lavender jasmine a couple oh, of oh yeah other that flowers, was also very dreamy Two roses like yeah and apparently the actual town of grass is like uh, it is this the center of perfume because it's like far, it's close to the coast, but not so close that like the salty air would affect the flower growth. Oh, okay. Um, anyway, so he initially puts this like flower harvesting girl in the still, like the boiling Ugh. water thing. And he finds that that didn't capture her smell. So then he goes to a sex worker and tries to just get her to like, let him cover her arms in, in, Animal fat, which is what you use in onflorage, and then he's gonna scrape it off, but she gets spooked. So he just kills her and does it anyways. Um so she's the she's his second murder. Yeah. No, third murder. You start to realize around this
1: time that he seems to have literally zero uh <coughs> regret.
0: He seems like a feral person, honestly. Right. Like he's right. honestly never had social relationships with anyone. Mm-hmm. So, so it's tricky. That's the first woman whose scent he's able to capture with Enfleurage, and then he just goes on a killing spree. There's a he sees en route to Grass um, Laura, which is played by Rachel Hurdwood. Okay, yes, I saw that name come
1: up like in my research.
0: Another redhead. She was in. Um, May I top you off? Oh, go ahead. Uh-oh. She was in that. Um, Johnny Depp, Finding Neverland movie. Okay. The Peter Pan movie. Yes. Or no, no, no. No, it wasn't the Johnny Depp one. It was just the Peter Pan one that came out in like 2003. Was it? it was a cute movie, 2003, yeah. Oh, my goodness. She that played Wendy me, Darling. It made me cry. Yes. have um, she talked about that movie. She hasn't been in much in a while. Um, yeah, the one with Jason Isaacs. Yes, 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 um, yes. Lynn Redgrave, we love her. Okay, we love the Redgraves. So yeah, Rachel Hardwood plays um, Alan Rickman's daughter, and he's a wealthy, well-connected man. Uh, The home that they live in, eat the rich. I mean, this is, 18th century France had income inequality about where we are right now. And that should um, trouble everyone,
1: regardless of the outcome of the election. Mm -hmm, Uh, mm -hmm. Still very much a thing we need to address. Mm -hmm. Um, Anyway, uh, on a pettier note, Mm -hmm. and I did want to talk to you about this. Can we discuss how this Alan Rickman character is the same Alan Rickman Rickman character? That he
0: plays in Sweeney Todd. Yes, you found it you landed at my, my word. Yes. Slightly less creepy in that he's not attempting to marry the, the young girl in yeah, question. Yeah, I would say that's a tick in the pro column for um, him on this one. But still, he's attempting to marry her off to someone.
1: I mean... When she is
0: quite, quite, quite young. He's still being um, rather
1: uh, over-
0: paternalistic. Right. Which, I mean, um, I
1: guess makes sense if you were actually a, a patern. Right. But, <laughs> uh, at this, I mean, look, his intentions were good here but it was just still a matter of like this
0: is your sweeney todd character yeah who exactly you play in a year yeah so rachel hardwood's character laura by the way she was 16 not great flick not, not great reach <laughs> um and when she talks you can hear that in her voice like she's got a young girl's voice Wait,
1: the actress was 16 the
0: actress was 16 and then we see her bobbies later correct no we don't see her bobbies She's when she dies, okay they have her on her stomach. Regardless, I
1: don't think that <laughs> I would want mine own sixteen year old to do that. Right. Um
0: personally. Right. But Okay. So, um this is a weird one too, where it's like not explicitly like <laughs> instead of it being the male gaze, it's the male scent. Like so he it's is tricky. he's trying to collect and consume these women's scents. Yeah, there's nothing really sexual in his um collection Intention of them just yeah.
1: at all no no yeah. it's
0: just obsessive and they note actually that the women who have been found are except for that sex worker are all they've been examined and they're all like their maidenhood is intact whatever what the hell that means
1: um and i would like this that's is a, special a myth. <laughs> message
0: particularly for ti uh that's not a thing that's not a thing it's not, <laughs> that's a, thing. not a thing uh but i guess for, as a narrative device These are all... The idea is that they're all supposed to be kind of young girls. Like, Uh, young women.
1: Right. So, I think they were just sort of trying to build the myth of, like, the virgins smell better. You know? I don't know. Um, I was wearing Ralph Lauren Ralph (laughs) before I made The Beast with two backs. And I can tell you that I do think I smell better now.
0: (laughs) At this time, at the time that this film came out, I was wearing Marc Jacobs grass. Okay. That's, and I thought I was cool. Because grass actually really was a very good scent. It was. Uh, and it came in a jumbo sized
1: bottle. God, that was I a Costco sized bottle. I never got You got close grass to using and rain. It. I still have your rain bottle, I think. You still
0: do? I think I Does do. Does it still smell good? I don't. I, mean, I
1: might have thrown it out at this point, but yeah, I still have my. The I think the last thing of Daisy I got must have been two thousand. Oh, I have such an old I still bottle have of Daisy. My Daisy, but I've done a pretty this good air job conditioning, of. Honey, She's honey. The third host She's <laughs> <laughs> uh, The thing, and this is, I guess, we before we let's just wrap up this plot. Then I have a lot of perfume talk and a lot of perfume yes. advice
0: for my friends. I think that's a great idea. Okay, so, so when he was with Baldini. John baptiste is taught about the idea of... Like, the theory of perfume is that there's three chords, and each chord mm-hmm. has four notes. So, theoretically, a, a complete perfume has 12 notes. <laughs> but there is some mythical idea in Egyptian perfume making of a 13th note. It's like that your just, baker's dozen. Yeah, that just takes it over the top. And so, he, I guess... Jean-Baptiste decides that Laura is going to be his 13th note. So, um, Antoine Rishis is her father. That's Alan Rickman.
1: Do they talk about him combining these human scents with any other scents? No.
0: It's just the smell of people. That's... Okay. So, he takes her, um, he takes his daughter, Alan Rickman does, um, away from the city. He's going to try to, like, escape everything, because he is, like, the one that's, like we've got to find this guy. And the, I guess the local cop is like, oh, we caught some drifter. We're going to pin it on him. And Alan Rickman's like, okay, but if that guy didn't actually do it, he just said that he did under duress. Then like, we still have a killer in our midst. And the cop's like, well, no, it's all solved. Um, typical. Uh huh. Anyways. So, uh, they try to go to escape to the seaside and, um, they stay at this hotel for a night and Jean-Baptiste manages to find them and kills Laura and distills her scent. And when her father wakes up the next day and goes into her room, he finds her. Which is a devastating scene. It's so devastating. He finds her on the bed uh, and she's been killed and her hair has been shorn off like the other girls.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And it was really hard to watch. Um really sad. So he escapes, Jean Baptiste escapes into the woods, uh, to try to like create his little last perfume. Like he pours it in a little bottle, gorgeous little vial, by the way, beautiful. And the cops gather him and take him to prison. Um, I think that when he's out there in the woods, he creates the final perfume, right? Yeah. So he creates his like 13 note perfume and he has that on his person which I'm surprised does not get confiscated, but whatever. Well, you know. What is French prison? I'm sure they were like, you're allowed to have your perfume. Sure. <laughs> that's, a, that's a pretty solid impression, Lou. Thank you. Um,
1: yeah. Wait. Was that was it Little Mermaid where we used to sing that? Hi, hi, Yes. Wow. Gorgeous. Beautiful. Um, okay. So what follows... Is kooky, as and hell. I would say the third act of this film is insane. <laughs> it's true;
0: it went a place that I had completely forgotten. it
1: Mage, went. mage, mage! Spoilers. So, if you haven't watched the film yet, it's on Amazon Prime. It is. Yeah, I should probably say the top of the show. It's on yeah. Amazon Prime. But if you have any intention at all of watching this movie, just friggin' stop it here because yeah. there's no way you could have guessed what's happening next. There's no and way. I'm so excited to tell you, my good friends. It's, listen, I've seen this movie at least twice before today, and then it, I was like, "Your what? brain." Blacked out that part is I insane did. to me. I know. I will never forget watching <sighs> this. Of course, in Mom and Dad's house,
0: right. which you remember as a movie theater, <laughs> we ate <laughs> oh, Bling cuisines. We oh, we did. Oh yeah, those you balsamic remember now, chicken. The balsamic. No, I chicken. remember that. I thought that that was your second viewing as well. No. Okay, Mom and we Dad were out of balsamic, town.
1: Y- Yes, that, and then I think we were weight watching at the time, so we also probably had <laughs> we split like a like a microwave kettle corn and a half box of. so it.
0: They were
1: scary. Anyway, so what follows is that he goes up to get executed, and what they said they were going to do to him was like, "We're going to nail
0: you to a cross, hit all your joints with a metal bar."
1: Right. (laughs) Like they
0: they really had like a full evening of entertainment. But they bring crews directing a full blue suit. Is that that was not normal? Did he just charm the people at the jail too? I don't know. I don't know. So, he's out there in this, like, dinky little blue suit. hmm
1: And uh, people start acting deferential to him up there,
0: uh, like, when they start smelling him. Like, mm-hmm. I'm trying to remember what the first wave of this was. Like, they're like, well, forgive get- me. Yeah, he gets up there, and then he takes a handkerchief and pours, like, a drop or two of it on there and then, like, waves it. hmm And the whole crowd... They're like cry for him. everybody started having sex. <laughs> it, w- <laughs> it was a what is oh, does that song go? Uh, everybody started
1: having sex. The music was way, way too, too powerful. powerful. A bunch of old people drinking like rabbits. <laughs> it was disgusting to say the least. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know what's funny is I went to Michael's craft store earlier. Oh, you Mask- did on and um was listening to my airpods and uh, punch you in the jeans by um the lonely island came on and i was uh-huh. laughing still bitch punch you in the jeans uh if i had three wishes oh gosh i remember punch you jeans on all three counts that would bring me satisfaction in large, large amounts. amounts still makes me laugh um so the crowd starts going crazy. What we have here, and this is where I was talking about, there's 600 extras. And I don't know if you have to offer extra risk pay for them to get fully nude, but 150 of them are dancers because the, the cinematographer was like, we need to sort of choreograph this. They brought in, brought in a professional choreographer. An orgy on a large scale is now happening in the gothic quarter of Barthenona, while John Baptiste is just
0: up there on the platform watching. He's like, it's kind of crazy. That's crazy. Uh, and then he closes his eyes and imagines himself having sex with the plum girl, which uh, yeah I guess was that's odd what I because I that. didn't get the impression. That I felt like that felt so out of place because he seemed to be doing all of this from an aesthetic mm-hmm. drive and not. Because he, like, was trying to recapture... Maybe it was an attempt to, like, relate to what was going on around him. Maybe. Yeah, could be.
1: Um, So, Alan Rickman is like, forgive me, my son. And then... Yeah,
0: he's like, "I I know who you are. And then he gets close to him and he's like, forgive me.
1: Yeah, it's... They say this man is an angel. It's it's kind of nutty. Like
0: that's yeah. what
1: the So they say like a day later, the entire town wakes up in a horrible hangover. Yeah. Like people are waking up naked on top of people they did not plan on sleeping with. Right. And they forget everything. Yeah. And they basically just decide to instead hang the man who owned the land.
0: Right. Um, who had been kind of nasty to Jean-Baptiste. So. He'd been
1: nasty. So Jean-Baptiste nasty. is like walking off with his little vial of powerful perfume. And the voiceover <laughs> at this point is like, Look, at this point, he could have charmed anyone into doing anything. He could have perfumed a letter to the Pope,
0: declaring himself the new Messiah. Yeah. He uh, had enough of that. Like, in that small vial, he could have commanded basically the entire world if yes, he wanted to.
1: Yes. But they're like, but his schedule was light, and <laughs> he didn't like anything.
0: Well, they said basically he realized he couldn't do the one thing he needed to do, which is become a human that could love and be loved. Yeah which also was never a point they made before this. Yeah, moment.
1: that's the that I think when people complain about the sort of uneven um screenplay of it all, that's probably where their what their point lies. But right. so he walks back to the sort of gnarly neighborhood that he's from in Paris. Follows his nose. Yep. Pours the entire vial of perfume on his head and lets the people who live there devour him alive. Yep. All that remains are his clothes. Yep. And the next day, some little boys are like, sweet, a jacket. And that's all she wrote.
0: That's all she wrote. Um, I so, still think this movie is pretty <laughs> as hell. I have to say. This movie is pretty as hell. It's this so movie pretty. Is pretty as hell. It's like spellbinding. It really is.
1: So when they were talking about, like, the cords, all that good stuff, I started looking up mine own perfume. Mm-hmm. And then How I... did you do that?
0: Did you look up mine Yeah, as
1: well? but I couldn't find the specific, like... The top, middle, and base for yours, which trying to just be
0: like it's all oranges.
1: Well, okay, so Lindsay and I have had sort of a, a row about this. Um, <laughs> she, we both we both love Lalabo, yeah, but we're not Santal girls. Although I love the smell of it, it's just like I I needed something different for me, right? We're not rose girls. Mm-mm. Also, love the smell, just it's beautiful. Different. Yeah, I am. Um, I am a loyalist to Tay Noir and have mm-hmm. been for the past two, two and a half years. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lindsay is very much obsessed with bergamot.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but I told Lindsay, you know, bergamot is like an orange, it's like a
0: big citrus fruit. Well, no, what you said is it's it's an orange. Right. Ber- bergamot just is orange but it's actually a like lime orange hybrid oh
1: my deepest apologies my doll it's an <laughs> orange um okay anyway so the top notes of um 29 are fig bay leaf and bergamot mm. middle notes are cedar vetiver and musk okay and base notes are tobacco and hay Oh, not tobacco and hay. I would say if you if you have the means to go sniff it, you definitely should. But it is kind of a, um, I would as I would say most uh, Lalabo is. I would say it's a pretty. Um, Uh, what's the word I'm looking for
0: androgynous scent yeah they're all supposed to be I think they're all supposed to be pretty um
1: which is like again crazy when you think about the 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 entire wild world of of insanity regarding gender and that we have decided that one large group of people gets a set of smells and the other gets the other is
0: kind of freaking nuts okay so I found mine what is it uh, so Bergamot Twenty Two is a citrus, citrus aromatic fragrance mm-hmm. for men, women, and men. It was launched in twenty twelve. Um, top notes are Pettigrain. I don't know what that is. So
1: that yeah it's i saw alcohol
0: that. oh mine was in 2015 interesting the Bergamot. the years we got married oh my god whoa that's crazy i love that for us okay perg- Oh, sorry pedigree bergamot and grapefruit which i'm notoriously a sucker for grapefruit you do scent. like the grapefruit scent middle notes are nutmeg and orange blossom i love nutmeg base notes are musk vetiver cedar and amber okay you know what one of the ones i saw
1: about yours uh attributed one of the notes to aspic what is that no aspic is like a i know jello i listen i understand uh, it pedigree it looks like is like another an orange citrus. as well yeah, yeah. okay yeah. so you love a citrusy scent which I, do. Total I always sense have. for you uh, yeah I always and have. also you got married in the summer yours is very summery and mine
0: yeah. is quite a bit more wintry damn that is crazy Mine on forgrantica.com, dot com. It says it's a daytime scent. I'm like, it's a whenever I want Mine to wear. Mine also scent. said daytime. Um, Rude. Okay, here's what I want to tell you about your
1: scents and how to preserve them. Don't freaking put your perfumes in the bathroom. Oh, I do
0: though. I meant to tell you that earlier. Oh, Le Labo, Grasse, and New York.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. Wild. Okay. Um, I would advise you to move that out there now. Um, because fluctuations in humidity, temperature, temperature, all okay. that stuff, it's gonna frick with the sillage. Okay, interesting. Uh, sillage, of course, means the, like, sort of length and distance, or length that it stays on your body and, like, the distance from which someone can smell you. But my bathroom, the way that it's set up, you might be fine.
0: The shower is, like,
1: separated. I would just, I, if I were you, I would maybe put it on your... Okay, on oh your here. vanity. Got it. Yeah. Or by vanity, I mean the thing under your TV. <laughs> um, so yeah, just a word to the wise mm-hmm. for all friends. If you can, don't put your scents in your bathroom.
0: Okay, interesting. Um,
1: you want to keep it pretty temp controlled.
0: Okay. And ideally, and not like a lot of sunlight either. Okay. Interesting.
1: Um, yeah, that's how I feel about it. Also, but you if know I what? Had it
0: out here, it would be in the sunlight. Straight when up, if you open. want
1: everything to smell incredible, keep a tiny vial of amber oil in your bag.
0: Hmm. And this is true, and I'm also going to say this. Um, oh, now I'm seeing that pedigree or Bergamot was launched in 2006. That's not oh What I wanted to hear. I liked the 2012 story. I liked story. the lore
1: behind that as well.
0: I agree. Um, what 2006 was the year perfume came out, though. So,
1: well, okay. <laughs> well, all right for that. All right. Um, Lindsay, what is that? What do, What do I burn? The stick. Cental? No, I'm very drunk. Palo Santo. Palo Santo, thank you. I'm not that drunk. I can totally be fine. But uh, (laughs) But Palo Santo, keep a few sticks of that in your underwear drawer. Oh, interesting. That's good to know as well. These are just, like, like, news you can use. These are Molly's hot tips. I love Um, to make things smell good and for people to associate
0: scents with me so that I can be more powerful. What... I have to tell you that it's working because your five-year-old niece smelled yeah. that date night candle that you brought over and goes, this yes. smells like Aunt Molly. Also,
1: if you want to try out Tay Noir or just generally smelling like me, go to your local Target, get the Opal House date night candle. It does mm-hmm. smell like
0: me. It's really good.
1: Um, what was it going to say? I had a point to this. Oh, yes, another one. Okay, so obviously, like, I had two main goals this year. One was to take myself out on a date once a month, and then, (laughs) life became a driveway. Um, The other was that I switched to natural deodorant, not because I'm necessarily concerned about, like, lymph nodal things, although Mm -hmm. I certainly probably should be. Mm -hmm. But it was more that I wanted to let my sweat out in a controlled environment so that my uh, pheromones could further control people. Okay, I think... I'm doing a crackerjack job of that.
0: Yeah. I mean, nobody has to smell you but you and your husband. So that's
1: pretty true. Uh, I would also say Schmidt's uh, wood and water
0: smell. Oh, incredible, boys. You love like a, a natural, not a natural, but like a kind of um, organic. Yeah. I mean, smell. like I use Dove Charcoal and Clay as my body wash, although I need we to find a new that. one
1: because they use prison labor.
0: But <gasps> They do. Most things do. I like the the method green detox body wash. It smells oh, good.
1: That smells great. I mean, honestly, I could talk about scents. Well, all it's day funny long.
0: when when you and I both got into these Le labo scents. I like smelled this at Nordstrom, and I was like, ugh, oh, ugh. Oh. That's my smell. Like, mm-hmm. I've always liked a citrus, but for some reason, this one just kind of, like, it reminded me, this is so stupid, but it reminded me of that feeling that you get when you smell a sample in a magazine. Yes. Which is always what I'm chasing, because I was such a magazine consumer when I was, like, in high school and college. And um, so, I was reading a lot about perfume at that time, around the time that you got into Tain Noir. And there is such an interesting, like, culture around scent, Oh my God, I know. Like whole YouTube videos where people will just like talk about one particular line or one particular set and these people have like collections that just span the entire wall behind them. And I'm like... I love that drive, and I need that as, like, a source of
1: um, information. Information, yes. For me, I don't know what it is in me that, like, there are probably a few articles, paragraphs even, that I read in, like, Teen Vogue, which, by the way, when I was coming up, Mm. Teen Vogue was really, I mean, obviously it's really friggin' cool now that it's, like, political, but, like, it was really going through, like, a Britpop moment. Yeah, yeah. And the mid-late aughts. yeah. And they would always, like, encourage sort of classic, very, very Anglocentric practices that, whatever. They infected my brain. Right. Uh, for worse. Right. But uh, one of them was, like, a lady who always has, like, a signature scent. And so it's been, like, my white whale to, <laughs> right. to figure this out. Right. So I'm not going to ever be the kind of person who has, like, a shelf of them because it's part of my identity
0: well and that's what you and I've talked about this before too the whole idea of like fixed versus (laughs) like dynamic Mm. I felt like reading magazines growing up it was very imperative that I had like my scent my go-to lipstick my go-to moisturizer and now I'm like I'm gonna change all those things all the damn time except for scents I just don't have it in me to go it's like a thing where I find one that I like and I just use it I am that way a bit with lipstick, and I need to go ahead and get more of it. But like
1: you know, it's again, and I like having good company in my iconic choices, like Mac Ruby Woo. Yeah, me and Robert Smith. Right. Oh, that's cool. That's his. Yes. Interesting. Andy Devantis keeps it on a chain by the window at her house. That's her Architectural Digest
0: was was incredible. Delight. Incredible. (laughs) Incredible.
1: Um. Anyway. Oh, by the way, your perfume was compared to Vetiver vetiver by Guerlain.
0: Oh, I don't... That, great. That sounds awesome. Yeah, I mean, Guerlain's kind of classic. Yeah, I'm sure it's probably much more expensive than
1: Labo. Oh, I guess we... Yeah. Well, no, honestly, no. Not really. Um, Le Labo is... She's expensive in her own right. She is. Uh, so, we didn't even really say this at the top, but <laughs> Lindsay and I, you know, like month to month, we sort of create our own meaning because life is whatever... Whatever you want it to be right now. (laughs) Uh, November is eloquent. November.
0: Mm -hmm. Elegance. Yep.
1: Elegance. Um, So that's why we kicked it off with perfume. Perfume. What are we doing next week, Han? Well, I think that, um, very selfishly, I would like to promote that we do what I'm doing on my couch anyway. (laughs) Which is catching up and then further discussing the croon. I think that would be a great
0: continuation.
1: I am almost done with season two at this point. Of okay. course, I will be done by, with season three by next week. Um, and season
0: four comes out this Sunday. Well. Not that you have to have watched any of it by then, but. My God, my God. I don't think that's going to be possible. No. But
1: I will. I am,
0: like. Uh, I don't know. You're kind of blowing through season two. I'm
1: blowing through season two, and I am highly motivated by
0: Gillian Anderson. Okay. As am I. Uh
1: I, I don't know psychosexually um, so I I what that's going to do to me to watch her be <laughs> Maggie Thatcher. Maggie
0: Thatcher. <laughs> um, I also have to tell you that season three goes down like a smooth cocktail. Well, it Helen is, Obama Carter is in it. She's so good and, as Princess Margaret.
1: And Olivia Coleman. Yeah. I assume there's a, like a one in two chance if you listen to this podcast that you also follow Dublin Zoetrope oh, on Instagram. I would if you hope don't, so. You really should. It's very funny. Yeah. It's very funny. But there's a recurring joke that, like, it's supposed to be somewhat from the perspective of Glenn
0: Glenn Close. Close. Yeah.
1: That Olivia Colman, like, stole her Oscar. And
0: Um, it's funny to me. It
1: is funny to me, but I couldn't agree less.
0: Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Because the favorite deserves. The favorite (laughs) slap So hard. So much harder than it had to be. So slap. hard. I
1: went to, I was walking around South Congress with um, Nicole a couple weeks ago. We went to the new Hotel Magdalena. Oh. And like we were in the courtyard of it. Welcome and to the Hotel, hotel Magdalena. Magdalena. Such a lovely place. But in the courtyard of it, I was like, I don't know how to explain this, but I feel like I am in a Yorgos Lantimos movie that's oh. set in like 20 years from now and everything's a little bit italicized oh okay we love that right but she was like wait didn't you do the favorite and i was like yeah but that's not what i'm talking about
0: we did italicize the the letters in the favorite yeah i mean yeah 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 but i was i guess i was more thinking about like the lobster and oh i never saw that
1: bitch you really need to see the lobster and dog tooth Okay,
0: uh, I'm on. To it. Did you see the killing of a sacred deer? No, I still haven't. I need okay. to do that. Okay.
1: Anyway, okay, so watch the Croon
0: or not? Yeah, um, I think we'll just kind of look at it like at a high level because there's a yeah, lot of no, it to I l- Listen,
1: I'm not here to do like a deep, deep, deep dive on all of this shit because, yeah. it's like it, it's at the end of the day, it's gonna cover like 50 years of history on this show. Um, we'll kind of talk about notable moments. I do plan on discussing Daniel Ings' turn as. Um, philip's cad best friend with a very public divorce
0: oh what a mess that whole mess what is. a mess that was claire wait. foy eating this show she wait, she did, ate we, it. Wait,
1: did we ever talk about upstairs downstairs on this show we
0: did yes. okay great 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 great. <laughs> yes, she she's come a long way baby <laughs> she has <laughs> all right well until next week i hope you guys uh are getting some good sleep getting some good rest mm-hmm. yeah that's key yeah uh and watch the crown all right Bye. bye